In conversation with Kylie Porter, Executive Director, Global Compact Network Australia, talking about the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals, their support and uptake here in Australia. So I'm here with Kylie Porter from Global Compact Network Australia. Kylie, can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So the Global Compact Network Australia is the Australian division of the UN Global Compact which is the world's largest corporate-led sustainability initiative. So it was started almost 20 years ago by Coffee Annan, and it was really a call to action to business to act responsibly and to engage on broader societal goals. So you're now looking at the uh, sustainability goals as a yes. kind of uh, key framework and looking at how those can be implemented. Yes, so the way that it works is that when businesses become participants of the UN Global Compact, they sign on to put into their strategy and operationalise our 10 principles, which are broadly around business and human rights, labour rights, environment and anti-corruption. And then once they do the things that necessitate acting responsibly, they also do things to broadly contribute to the societal goals. So in when the United Nations Sustainable Development goals were adopted, the UN gave the official mandate to the UN Global Compact to work with businesses to integrate those goals again into business strategy and operations. Right. So now we have the criteria that helps business act responsibly under our 10 principles and it's fair to say that once business start doing those things they're automatically contributing to the societal right. goals but then also working with them to really seek those opportunities that the SDGs provide. So how many companies globally would have signed up to that mandate? There are almost 10,000 companies globally. And in, here in Australia? In Australia we have um, probably close now to about 150 um, organisations who are okay. members of the UN Global Compact and the GCNA or the Global Compact Network Australia here. Yeah. Um, of which so a bit of a way to go here in Australia? A lot of a way to go yeah. but we do have 16 of the top 20 ASX so we've got sort of those heavy hitters that I guess set a trend in some respects. We've got a growing base of SMEs and then we've got the your mid-tier mid-cap companies as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but you know, we I think the great thing is when I started in the role almost 12 months ago, we had 84 members. So, you know, in a 12-month period... We've nearly doubled. We've nearly doubled, yeah, which yeah. I think is really... It goes to the core of the discussions we've been having with business, the different activities that we run, the publications that we do. And also probably when you think about the broader context in Australia around the trust deficit, the Royal Commission, the fallout from those sorts of things, it's really becoming far more obvious to business that business as usual does mean acting towards broader societal goals. It's not individualism versus societal goals. They're one and the same now. Right. So do you think we're getting to a situation here where business is almost leading some of that thought, positioning and government might be following uh, closely behind or in some cases not so closely yeah. behind? I think probably the latter. There are, okay. some, there are some parts where business is definitely leading the charge and I think if you start to look at climate and energy, that's where we're seeing absolutely leadership coming from from business. Um, there are other things where Australia is ahead in the SDGs and that's, that's because of the nature of government policy. So education is a really good example of that and the provision of quality education. 
So I think it is a bit of a balance. Having said that, there's no way that we can achieve the SDGs without business intervention. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. impossible. Yeah. You're not going to get the investment. It has to be embedded in the way they do Absolutely. business. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the SDGs or the Sustainability Development Goals. Um, so we're here at Global Table. And for me here in Australia, I mean, obviously I'm not Australian uh, originally. Yeah. I've got a funny accent. Uh, but um, I don't find there's as much uh, knowledge about what the sustainability goals represent here in Australia as, for example, in Europe. And so we're starting from a much lower base of knowledge here. Do you think that's fair? And do, do you, do you see that, that increasing now? Look, I do, I do think that's fair. I think one of the challenges that we have in Australia is that you know, we're quite isolated. You know, we don't we don't have the advantages of Europe where you've got countries that are, have got interconnected borders, and so you've got that cross-section of knowledge and sharing and awareness. Yeah, collision of oh, uh, community and society. Yeah, yeah, where we don't we don't really have that here. Yeah. And I think Australia has very traditionally had this sort of laissez-faire, you know, she'll be right, mate, sort of attitude to things that. The SDGs probably almost seem all-encompassing and too hard to grapple with. You know, like most Australians wouldn't identify with Australia having poverty issues. They wouldn't identify, and you know, Global Table is a good example of that. They wouldn't have an have an association with Australia having hunger issues. Yeah. Um, having issues with How life the lucky country have Absolutely. hunger issues yeah but i think where we're starting to see a shift and if we look at the agribusiness industry you know over the last five ten years we have seen significant pressure on what the sdgs would term as life on land we've also seen significant pressure on what happens below water you know you look at the great barrier reef and coral depletion you look at the droughts in far north queensland and across you know the, the whole state of queensland where we've had farmers lose incredible amounts of crop, of cattle, you know, their farmland's becoming arid. They can't, they can't farm it. We're seeing WA, there's a lot of projects going on there where they're trying to work out how to use greenhouses to grow food because the soil isn't the right soil content to be able to feed the nation, but feed the, the state. So I think there's starting to be a growing awareness. What I don't think Australians are doing well is making the connection between that and climate change and that these are actually substantially impacts due to climate change. So from a business perspective, we are seeing a significant uplift in the number of companies who are integrating the sustainable development goals into their strategy Hmm. and then that flowing through into their their operations. Now, it's fair to say it's probably been slower than what it has been in Europe, but in fairness, it's they are still relatively new. Yeah, you know, they were adopted in 2016. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We're almost at the end of 2019. Yeah. Um, we actually just released a report with um, RMIT University where we looked into the top 150 Australian um, listed companies and how they were reporting against the um, Sustainable Development Goals. And it proved there is a really long way to go. You know, we're not we're not seeing companies talk about how they are actually integrating the goals. We're seeing a lot of, we're doing ABC project and that aligns to, you know, SDG2 or SDG, you know, um, we see a lot in the gender equality and the reducing right, so the cherry equality. picking some of the stuff they can do. Cherry picking, yeah, but we are seeing ones who are actually really doing a good job yeah, yeah. at fully implementing it. Um, I personally would like to see a lot more of that coming from those pri- from private businesses, um, particularly in the agricultural space, because of what we, you know, the nature of Australia's exports, the nature of the way in which Australia 
grows its income and the fact that we have to have a sustainable food bowl here. Yep. You know, we can't, yep. it's part of our future security and we need to derive really innovative ways to approach food production. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, great. So, uh, I might ask you, so in terms of yeah, adopting the SDGs, certainly um, I'm from the university sector and we're starting to see the universities also get on board with this, uh, understand where perhaps our education and research uh, offerings can really help solve or at least tackle uh, some of these issues. So I agree with you, I think you know, the, the consciousness, uh, the zeitgeist of society is now more around the SDGs and what the SDGs can do and how they can be uh, personally supported. But they still, for me, they occur at quite a high level. So, uh, you know, they're, and they're almost impossible targets. Uh, but as we heard from John Kerry, you know, you have to start, you have to start somewhere. So how do individuals uh, actually change behaviours and start moving the SDGs forward on an individual Level. So you can happen. You can occur at a kind of company level and organisational level, and that has to happen. It has to happen at political uh, level as well, support, but uh, also down to individual level. Yeah, and I think, look, to John Kerry's point, he's absolutely right. These are issues that humankind created. Right? They're, they're not out of our sphere of influence. So. When you say things like the sustainable development goals are not, a, you know, are unachievable, we've still got ten years, right? Like we've got ten and a half, call it ten and a half years. Do you think they are achievable? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I would like to think that we can implement things to help us achieve them. You know, yeah. the, the sustainable development goals alone offer twelve trillion dollars worth of opportunity yeah. to the private sector, yeah. right? And that's that's not accounting for the levels of investment that even mum and dad investors have. You know, and we see this in Australia. One of a really easy way to start shifting the dial for an individual is to look at how you invest in your superannuation. Yep. Right? Like, is your superannuation fund investing in heavy fossil fuel emitting yep. industries that don't have a plan for a 1.5 degree trajectory? Yep. Are you investing in you know broader sin stocks for one better word? Yeah. In Australia, because of the nature of our pension system, we can absolutely start shifting the dial by just not. So number one, change your superannuation. Number one, uh, change your superannuation, yeah. or at least, <laughs> at least start. At least know where your money's going. Yeah, yeah. Your superannuation section, like that's one thing. Yeah. The other thing is be more conscious about what you do as an individual, and we see this a lot with the millennial generation. You know, we saw it with the people who were talking to John Perry. Mm. Listen to what they have to say. They aren't taking jobs with companies that don't have a purpose. They are right. so much more consciously personally motivated. Yeah, they yeah. are personally yeah. motivated. They don't shop at, at places where there is fast fashion. No. They have a much more conscious outlook on waste. Like my son, my, both of my kids, their schools have a ban on packaging. Right, like they, they've grown up in a society where, where packaging is not part of the vernacular. You don't have it. Yeah. So some of it is learning from the youth. Don't dismiss them because they're younger. Like listen to what they have to say. And they can be the agents of change uh, for society. I, my 15-year-old yeah. son uh, two years ago decided he was going to be vegetarian. Yep. And I did uh, that at, you know, at the time <laughs> we were going, are you mad? You know, you, you're still growing, so we still kind of put a little bit of uh, meat in the, the food. And he's, he said. Uh, you know, I really don't want meat. But I said it's only a small amount of meat. He goes, Dad, it's still meat. Don't you get it? Uh, yeah. And he actually shifted our whole family to consume less meat because yeah. 
uh, he was so militant about it, but on strong ethical uh, grounds. So we much less meet now because he's been the agent of change in our family. And I think that's, like, it's those small things. Like, I think people often forget that actually small things make a really large difference if there is a big enough buy-in into them, right? And the, one of the ways that I think about it is 20-odd years ago, we would have never talked about health and safety being a priority in, in the workplace. Mm. Like, it, it just wasn't there. 30 years ago, it was completely acceptable to have... 10 glasses of wine and get in the car and drive your kids home from a party. Right? Or smoke like, at work or, or drink at lunchtime. Smoke at yep, work yep. or even, even smoke outside the front of the building. Yep. Now, we don't see those. Now, yes, are car accidents due to drink driving more prevalent and more visible than climate change? Absolutely. Um, is the long-term cancer effects of smoking you know, easier to understand than a urban dweller understanding the impacts of drought on our water system, on our land and all of that, and, and eventually on our food bowl? Yes. Yeah. But they all, you know, they take time and they all feed through, and it's going to be the same. It's those small actions that individuals need to spend more time taking. And that's also where, from a business perspective, it's how you engage as an individual with the business you work in. Yeah. You know, we're, we're working through a process at the moment of creating two sets of guides on the SDGs. And one is talking to CEOs and, and executives on what the SDGs are very much in that business sense yeah. and what it means for their bottom line, what it can attribute in terms of opportunities for growth. The other one is for that middle management level who aren't sustainability practitioners who probably don't buy into the SDGs and don't buy into the concept of companies needing to contribute to sustainable development. And those guides are designed for those employees to go, oh, actually, I do associate with this. Yeah, I can see where. I can yeah. see where I can help on impacting by reducing inequalities. Just by shifting a few things in the way in which I might hire stuff, yeah. for example. Yeah. So I think it's about being more cognizant of your holistic implications for what you do and being aware of that. And the business sector, again, has a huge, huge role in that. And look, I do think individ as individuals, we need to take more responsibility. We need to take a bigger lead from what is a far more ethical generation coming up. Yep. You know, I mean, look at Greta Thunberg, right? Like, yep. you're not... This is an absolute movement of change. At the same time, business needs to start investing more into this. And there was a report by the um, IGCC that was released recently in Australia, and it talked about what investors were doing and how they were looking at their investments globally, and particularly in Australia. And interestingly, 60% of the companies that responded to their survey said that they look at societal contributions of company through the lens of the UN Global Compact and the SDGs. Right, so that says something to me. You go up to the chairman or to a board of a, of a public listed company and say, you are going to lose trillions of dollars worth of investment if you do not do something. Strong motivator. Right? Like, yeah. it's a massively strong motivator. Yeah. As much as we want to continue having the debate about stakeholder privacy, shareholder privacy, yeah. the bottom line is that short and medium-term investments right. and short and medium-term returns from shares and from dividends, etc., still matter. And until we really see that shift 
far beyond to the, to the purpose and profit alignment. Yeah. We're still going to have many boards in Australia and globally who are far more focused on those financial returns. Yeah. So we need to talk in a language that makes them go, ah, $124 trillion worth of active, like um, opportunity is there to be captured if we choose to limit global warming to 1.5 over 2. Yeah. Like that 0.5 degrees, right? Which seems like nothing, you know. A 30 degree day versus a 29 degree day, like that one degree temperature change doesn't seem like much. Half a degree to most of us just seems like completely conceptual. But that's the average, isn't it? But yeah. Yeah. that 0.5 is $124 trillion US mm. worth of opportunity in things around renewable energy, in things around reducing waste. Like it's, it's a significant opportunity. And I think we have to keep this language up. And that's why I'm, I'm so impressed with how well Global Table has integrated the SDGs. You know, you walk in and it's front and centre. Yeah. You can't not have a conversation about it. Nailed their colours to the mast here. Nailed it, right? Like, you can't walk You're not in any doubt uh, no. where they're standing. Yeah. No. So, so which one is your favourite uh -huh. uh, sustainability goal? I've got a lot, depending on what hat I'm wearing. Maybe allow you to. I quite like SDG 16, which is on peace, justice, and strong institutions. And that probably stems from growing up as a diplomat's kid. So having lived in developing countries and seeing the seeing the impacts of a country that doesn't have a strong institution around rule of law, that doesn't have a strong approach around bribery and corruption, that doesn't um, integrate policies and practices that enable their um, enable their communities to thrive yep. but then also the flip side companies who go into developing nations or even developed nations and actually don't apply the same level of care and policies and procedures that they would in a developed country yep. and so I think that goal is really really important because yep. if we can get these countries any country globally and companies to follow suit in really mandating for a strong rule of law, strengthening their institutions, we will see an increase in peace, which actually also means that we'll see reductions in a whole heap of the other goals yep. around poverty, Migration, food, yeah. Yeah, etc. So that yep. that for me, it's a very misunderstood and not very lightly discussed goal. Um, maybe because it starts talking about multilateralism and, and all of these things that again just seem so far removed from day-to-day -day life um, and clearly climate action like I just like SDG 16 you start getting that right you get affordable and clean energy right yep. you get reduced inequalities right it has you get zero hunger right yep. it has a massive impact on all the other goals. But I think the climate action part, I'm also looking at it through the lens of the science-based target initiative and the need for companies to set targets that reduce their emissions to a 1.5 degree world. So you know, I'm very conscious of what um, Secretary Kerry said today about yep. we're already on this really bad trajectory that takes us well above two. For me, it's not just about... Yeah, it's a 3.5 and right? 4, he was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that, they are, if you look at the IPCC report that came out at the end of last year, started this year, you know, that report said if we do not limit global warming to 1.5, yeah. there are absolutely irreversible damage that is going to be done to it, right? So, at 
impact on climate, try and limit it to 1.5, and we're going to see, slowly but surely, we'll see us being able to achieve some of the other indicators up to 20. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much. So, uh, Kylie Porter, uh, Global Thank Compact you. Network Australia, changing the way uh, businesses uh, tackle the issues of the earth. Thank you. In conversation with Andy Lowe, a series of podcasts looking at food, biological resources, sustainability, and innovation.